you have your Bibles, turn to me, if you would, to the book of Leviticus. I know that's probably one of your favorite books in all the Bible. You ask people, what's your favorite book? Leviticus is right near the top, I'm sure. But anyway, uh, this book is referred to throughout the scriptures because this is a book where God, through Moses, began to lay down the order of worship for people, how things were supposed to work. And every detail of these words that God gave to Moses are reflective of what Jesus fulfilled when he came as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And uh, I want to read for you today and probably one of the great communion passages of the Old Testament. And it's from Leviticus 17 with a focus on the sacrifice and the blood, which is to be our focus today at communion. And this is the way Moses wrote it in Leviticus 17, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites and say to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Any Israelite who sacrifices an ox, a lamb, or a goat in the camp or outside of it, instead of bringing it to the entrance to the tent of meeting to present it as an offering to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, that person shall be considered guilty of bloodshed. They have shed blood and must be cut off from their people. This is so that the Israelites will bring to the Lord the sacrifices they're now making in the open fields. They must bring them to the priest, that is to the Lord, at the entrance to the tent of meeting and sacrifice them as a fellowship offerings. The priest is to splash the blood against the altar of the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting and burn the fat as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. They must no longer offer any of their sacrifices to the goat idols to whom they prostitute themselves. This is to be a lasting ordinance for them and for the generations to come. Say to them, any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the entrance to the tent of meeting to sacrifice it to the Lord must be cut off from the people of Israel. I will set my face against any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who eats blood, and I will cut them off from the people. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat blood, nor may any foreigner residing among you eat blood. Any Israelite or any foreigner residing among you who hunts any animal or bird that may be eaten must drain out the blood and cover it with earth because the life of every creature is its blood. That's why I've said to the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature because the life of every creature is its blood. Anyone who eats it must be cut off. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, I want you to know today that as much as I understand it, I really love you. I really love you, and I am grateful for all that you are and all that you've done. And to be able to come to a table like this at the start of a new year with my brothers and sisters here is a great gift. But the seriousness of this, as well as the joy of this, is usually beyond our grasp. And as we come to this table today, I hope you'll help us to remember the details of this wonderful covenant you've made in the blood of your son. That we may have an even deeper appreciation 
and a right response as we begin this new year together, as we remember the details of the covenant. And we'll thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I entered into another covenant a while ago. I agreed with a company to increase my internet speed, which is really great because now I can make the same mistakes even faster. But anyway, I found it interesting that when I agreed to this whole new term of things, this little thing that pops up on your screen and they want you to click on it after you've read all the terms and conditions and how much you're going to pay and all the, all the stuff. There's a covenant on there. Now, I, I don't think anybody reads all this stuff. You know the thing down at the bottom says, I have read all this stuff? How many of you actually read the entire thing, every word? Couple. I read more than most, but what I've been really looking at lately with anything I sign is, what are the cancellation terms? Because there are details in there you don't want to miss. A covenant is an agreement between one party and another party of what they're going to provide and what you're going to do in response to that. Covenants have details. Covenants are important. Covenants can be binding. And if you're not paying attention to the details of what you're signing, it can cost you a lot of money. It's very interesting that God has entered into a covenant with us. And if we're not paying attention to the details, it can end up costing you your eternity. Which is why at the beginning of the year, we're taking a few moments to remember the details of this covenant. You see, details are important. One missed letter in a prescription or wrong number on a phone or missed ingredient in a recipe can affect everything. One missed detail of a covenant agreement between God and us can affect your eternity. That's the significance of the details of Leviticus 17. Leviticus 17 addresses the details of a covenant God established with his people through Moses. Leviticus is the detail of the old covenant law that God established to govern the lives and the worship of his covenant people in their relationship with him. In other words, God would do certain things, but the people were responsive to do certain things. And it was God's instruction to the people on when and where and how they were to worship here in Leviticus 17, especially on how they were to present their sacrificial offerings. Chapter 17 begins with a section of God's word often referred to as the holiness code. And this is important because it tells us in the New Testament that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Central to the holiness code were two prohibitions designed to help God's covenant people remain faithful to the agreement, to the covenant. Sacrifice only at the altar at the entrance to the tent of meeting. That was the first provision. So the Old Testament tabernacle and eventually at the temple would be the only place where you'd be able to present that sacrifice. And the second provision was don't eat the blood of any animal. In these two prohibitions, we find a direct correlation with the details of our communion observance when Jesus instituted the new covenant in his blood. Communion is the remembrance of the death of Jesus. You remember it was the Apostle Paul who proclaimed in 1 Corinthians 11, for whenever, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is a memorial, a covenant instituted in his blood. And eating this, as we've shared many times, will not make you a Christian. Eating this meal will not get your sins forgiven. 
Eating this meal won't get you into heaven. The only way to experience forgiveness like that is by entering into a relationship with God through faith and the sufficiency of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But eating this as Jesus intended can help us to remember two important details concerning this covenant that no one can afford to miss because communion reminds us of the covenant details that point the way to Jesus. What are those details? Well, the first, in parallel with Leviticus 17, is that there are not many ways to God. There's only one, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus' blood is the only payment acceptable to God. In communion, we are reminded that Jesus is the only way to God. In Leviticus 17, Moses put it like this in verse 8. Say to them, the Israelites, any Israelite or any foreigner, all people, residing among them who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the entrance, to the tent of meeting, to sacrifice it to the Lord must be cut off from the people of Israel. We are folks who like multiple options. We don't like to be limited. Christmas time, we talked about the 80,000 options at Starbucks, but it's not limited there. I see it every time I go to the store. Uh, you know, we have grandkids, so we go through a lot of goldfish crackers. It used to be you'd go buy goldfish crackers, but not anymore. Now you have choices to make. Original cheddar or pretzel, pretzel with salt, pretzel with no salt, mini, regular, plain, colored. They got a brand new one coming out. I haven't even dealt with that one yet. Then, you remember when you went to get something to eat, you used to go order a hamburger? When I was a kid, we went to Grace's kitchenette and you ordered a hamburger that's what you got now you have to decide if you want a single double triple bacon four by four bys whoppers sliders kings or juniors and then after you make any of those tough decisions they always ask you is that with cheese or no cheese who'd ever believed you could do so much with a cow but it's happening how about oreos and i used to go buy a my mom would say, go, go get a bag of Oreos. You can't do that anymore. Now it's, is it double stuff, chocolate, vanilla, vanilla with chocolate, chocolate with vanilla, vanilla with vanilla, minis, orange, cream, strawberry cream, dipped in fudge or no fudge, dark chocolate, light chocolate. You see, retailers learn that if you don't provide people with options, they'll go somewhere else. You see, this is one of the reasons why so many people move away from the message of the gospel. It's too narrow. You tell them there's only one way to God, they don't like it. So what they do is they try to find other options. And Satan is more than happy to provide you with all the options you want, as long as you don't choose Jesus as the only way. See, people have a tendency to approach their relationship with God like that. People want gods that they can define, control, and explain. They want gods that ask little and give much. They want gods that are all-inclusive, who have no absolutes, and exist to make us feel good and to serve us. I found it very interesting. I saw a billboard out on Highway 4 about another church that I know nothing about at this point. They're fairly new, apparently, but, and this is no contradiction I don't know what they're about but the sign simply said it's all about a better you and I'm thinking no it isn't no 
No, it isn't all about a better me. It's all about knowing him. See, many pseudo-Christian and New Age groups and liberal churches are popular because they offer the people the option of worshiping just about any version of God they choose. And the most popular versions of God to be chosen are the gods who allow us to be in charge, to have what we want, to be in control, to call the shots. It's the same lie that Satan put out in the garden. You can be as God. So the people coming out of Egypt with Moses proved to be no different. They wanted to worship wherever and whenever and however they wanted, forming their own gods. So God put a prohibition in place. You can't sacrifice under the trees to anything you want. You can't go out and worship the desert goat idols and worship them and serve them. You, you can't sacrifice on the rock over there and the tree over here. He put a detail to remind the people that there's only one God and there's only one way to God. So God built a tabernacle, filled it with his presence, and designated an altar in front of it as the only place to come to God. That's why it says in Leviticus 17, verse 5, this is so the Israelites will bring to the Lord the sacrifices they are now making in the open fields. They must bring them to the priest, that is to the Lord, at the entrance to the tent of meeting and sacrifice them as fellowship offerings. The priest is to splash the blood against the altar of the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting and burn the fat as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. They must no longer offer any of their sacrifices to the goat idols to whom they prostitute themselves. This is to be a lasting ordinance for them and for the generations to come. Say to them, any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the entrance to the tent of meeting to sacrifice it to the Lord must be cut off from the people of Israel. You see, the multiple option approach to God that you can come any way you want, any time you want, and ignore his covenant details was leading the people far from God. Some were even worshiping goat idols and the demon spirits of the desert that they believed were associated with those places, seeking their favor. God reminded them of an important detail of his covenant. There aren't many gods, he reminds them, there's only one. There aren't many ways to God, there is only one. And bring the sacrifice I accept at the right time to the right priest at the right place or be cut off from your people. That detail of the old covenant pointed to the same detail in this new covenant. That when Jesus established the new covenant, he declared that his sacrifice on the cross was the only way to come to God. Remember he said, this bread is my body It's given for you, which is why the word became flesh so that he could be that sacrifice. Hebrews 10, verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll I have come to do your will, my God. And it goes on to say in Hebrews 10, verse 10, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You see, he is the sacrifice. 
The cross was the altar. And Jesus was also the high priest that offered it to God as the perfect, at the perfect tabernacle or temple in heaven. Remember, it goes on in Hebrews 10 to say in verse 14, by that one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You see, when Jesus offered himself at the altar of the cross, he poured his blood out there for sure, but the real blood he poured out was at the temple in heaven, at the altar. The only altar God would accept with the only blood he would accept through the only body that was pure enough to be his sacrifice. That's why Jesus at the Last Supper made a statement so clear that no one could misunderstand him. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There aren't many gods, there's only one. There aren't many ways to God, there is only one. You can't get to God with any other sacrifice or any other priest or any other tabernacle at any other altar. There is only one sacrifice acceptable to God for our salvation, and that was offered on the altar of a cross and in the altar in heaven. That's why Peter said in Acts 4, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. For why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The road to life is extremely narrow. In fact, it's one person wide. You come through Jesus or you don't come at all. Jesus is the only way to God. That is a detail of the covenant no one can afford to miss. And not only is he the only way to God, but in communion we remember that Jesus' blood is the only payment acceptable to God. In Leviticus 17, Moses wrote this in verse 10. I will set my face against any Israelite. This is God speaking. I will set my face against any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who eats blood, and I will cut them off from the people. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I've given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat blood, nor may any foreigner residing among you eat blood. Any Israelite or any foreigner residing among you who hunts any animal or bird that may be eaten must drain out the blood and cover it with earth, because the life of every creature is its blood. That's why I've said to the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature, because the life of every creature is its blood. Anyone who eats it, must be cut off. Blood is not something we want to see a lot of. Any of us get queasy going to give blood. I remember when I worked at Marandino Foods in the meat department, we spent a lot of time keeping as much blood as possible out of the packages because blood in the package doesn't sell. We do not like blood. But the shedding of Jesus' blood must never be forgotten. 
It's the shedding of his blood that brings forgiveness for our sins. See, God's law demanded that without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness. That's why it says in Leviticus 17 and verse 10, I will set my face against any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who eats blood and will cut them off from the people. Verse 11, for the life of a creature is in the blood and I've given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. It is the blood that makes atonement, the payment. Remember, God said, I have given it to you for this purpose. Remember that phrase. I have given it to you. This is for you. The wages of sin is death. God is life. To be separated from God for any reason is the very definition of death. The Bible talks about three kinds of death. Physical death, when our soul and spirit separates from our body. Spiritual death, which we're all born into because of sin. We are separated from God and have no relationship with him. And eternal death, that if you die physically while you're dead spiritually, you'll become dead eternally. You'll be put away from God forever in a Christless hell. The life, God said, is in the blood. Now, there's no magical powers in the blood. Blood alone has no life without a body to flow in. But a body has no life without the blood. No creature can live without blood. To shed blood is to shed life and to bring death. That's a detail that God wanted no one to miss. That's why the Israelites under the old covenant were never to disrespect the blood. So they were never to eat it like a common food because it was given to make atonement for them. Blood was to be poured out and with it the life of the animal would be poured out. Whether it was to make a meal or to present as a sacrifice. Blood spilled out brought death. So every time an animal was killed, the blood had to be poured on the ground and respectfully covered with earth. Or when killed as a sacrifice, the blood would be sprinkled on the altar by a priest and the rest of it poured out at the base of the altar to make atonement. Any other use of blood cheapened its value as the means of payment and the person who devalued it would be cut off from God. These sacrifices were held over and over and over until the arrival of God's lamb, the one whose blood would take away the sins of the world for all time. Do you see how God through the centuries had built such a respect for the blood that people would not eat it? when they killed an animal while they were hunting or killed an animal that they were getting ready to use as a meal, they carefully disposed of that blood with respect, teaching an entire nation to have respect for the blood. So that when Jesus came and he began to talk about the new covenant in his blood, those Jews immediately would recognize the significance of what he was saying. That's why Jesus at communion took the cup and declared, this cup is now the new covenant in my blood, my blood. It is poured out for the forgiveness of many. You see the terms he's using? And he said, this is for you. This is for you. The very same thing God told Moses. 
This is why the New Testament writers were so clear about the purpose and value of Jesus' shed blood. Hebrews 9. By the way, the whole book of Hebrews is like a running commentary on the Old Testament. Hebrews 9, verse 12. He, Jesus, did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. He's talking about coming into the very tabernacle of God in heaven. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. You see, the first covenant and all those sacrifices could never totally cleanse you. It could only make you ceremonially clean until you needed to do the next sacrifice. And it always pointed the need, the way to the need for an ultimate sacrifice that would take away sin for all time. which is why you never want as a Christian to cheapen the value of the blood shed for us by continuing to live a life of deliberate sin. You see, that's why Hebrews was very careful to go on in Hebrews 10, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. God can't offer another one. He's already given the ultimate one. No sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace. You see, if you say I'm a Christian and I've invited Christ into my life, then what you're saying is that I have accepted his sacrifice as the only way to God. I accepted his blood as my only payment and I will not cheapen or disrespect the blood of this covenant. Which is why Paul told the Corinthians to examine themselves before participating in this covenant remembrance so as to not eat or drink in an unworthy manner. All of us sin. I do and you do. But it better not be deliberate. And if it is, we better come and get it right with God right away. And if there's places that need to be repented of, we better get on the mark and asking God to help us with that repentance. You do not want to linger in known sin. And when you come to the communion table, this is a time for us to get clean with God, to confess those things, because you never want to eat of this table when your heart's not right. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. 
That's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. You've died. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. This is a good thing to come to this table and to let God, through his spirit, search your heart and confess the things that we know aren't right and to repent of those things that need to be changed. These are details of a covenant we cannot afford to miss. Details make a difference. You know, a while ago, Carla and I tried an online free trial offer of some product that she was interested in. Uh, we didn't like it, the product, and so we didn't order anymore. So you can imagine our surprise when the next month another shipment of the same stuff came along with a bill this time that wasn't so free. So we called them up and we said, hey, we didn't order this. They said, oh, yes, you did. Didn't you read the agreement? You get the free trial, but if you don't want it, you have to call us and cancel within so many days or you're automatically signed up for our future shipments. The detail we had missed. Fortunately, we could still cancel at any time. But what if it had been a year-long commitment or a multi-year commitment? We'd have had boxes of this stuff we didn't even want. And it wasn't cheap. You see, one detail missed could have cost us a lot. One detail missed in this new covenant with Jesus will cost you forever. So Jesus institutes the new covenant in his blood and the means by which we are to remember the details. This bread, he said, is my body. This cup is my blood. It is given for you. So he said, as often as you eat it, remember me. Because there is only one God and there's only one way to God. And that is by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus on the altar of the cross. And there is only one acceptable payment for sin that can make atonement and that is the blood of Jesus. Who as our faithful high priest offered his own blood at the altar in heaven. And these are the details of the new covenant. The details that make the difference between eternal death and eternal life. God wanted to make sure that no one missed the way to God in Moses' day. And those all foreshadowed the fact that God doesn't want anyone to miss the details of the covenant in the blood of Jesus. Father, I want to thank you today for this reminder. I honestly can't think of a better way to begin the new year. Being reminded of the details of a covenant into which we have entered, accepting the sacrifice of the body of Jesus and the spilled and poured out blood by our high priest. There's only one way to God and only one payment acceptable to God. You said you've given these to make atonement for our sin and to bring us life. So God, as we come to this table today, help us with deep gratitude. Help us to confess. Help us to repent. Help us to be a people clean before God.
For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Thank you, God, for this reminder today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.